Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT with you in Vegas today, Raider Nation Radio. What a week. It's been for the Raiders, the announcement of Clip Branch getting the call, his family getting the call. He'll be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this summer. And then the John Madden Memorial that happened up in Oakland on Monday night during the ideal time of Monday night football where Coach Madden was the most successful winning percentage all time. That's a big week of Raider content already, and we're not even halfway through the week. So we got a lot to get to on that. Phil Villapiano will join us tomorrow, and Foo was a big part of Cliff's life and a huge part of John Madden's life. Great interview whenever he comes on. He's so kind with his time. Really excited about that. And the Golden Knights play the Avalanche tonight. This is a big deal. It's a nationally televised game on TNT. There is going to be tremendous buzz in the air tonight as Vegas unleashes their new shiny toy in Jack Eichel, and growing up a hockey fan and loving hockey and loving the Golden Knights and what could happen to the city with the Stanley Cup run, very important that this happens now because of this hockey player that they went out and got. They went out and got again. It's incredible what this team does. We're we're talking about the Rams, and it doesn't seem like Aaron Donald's going to retire because he just said at the parade that that super team, they built the super team, Why not bring it back? So that doesn't sound like a guy who's going to retire anytime soon. But when you go out and get Jack Eichel, when you go out and get a superstar, you trade for someone great, you got to win, period. It sells tickets. It brings a buzz to it, but you got to win. Dave Gocher, kind enough to join us, the Golden Knights TV voice. And Dave, I can't imagine how excited you are in this great seat that you have as a broadcaster now to have Jack Eichel handed to you, the broadcast gods, Dave, came down on you in the prime of your career. You get Eichel beginning the prime of his career. How are you? Yeah, good, JT. Yeah, it beats, I always say it beats the heck out of a real job, you know, and you know what that's all about. And, uh, yeah, it, it's something I think everyone's been looking forward to for a while. I compared it to earlier today. I was talking to somebody. I said, it's, you know, if you had your Christmas tree up for whatever reason in the middle of August, and somebody gave you a heck of a Christmas present, but you couldn't open it up for three or four months. And that's kind of what it's been like, you know, since the Golden Knights acquired Jack Eichel. But, yeah, and I think, you know, they're trying to temper a little bit of the expectation for tonight anyways. You know, it's a guy that hasn't played a game in 11 months, and, and I get all that. But big picture, look, they're adding a 25-year-old player, as you said, in the prime of his career that is one of the best players in the world. So I think once he gets himself kind of up and running, Uh, I think his impact will be pretty dramatic in this lineup. Yeah, let's talk about his career and why you're so excited. The injury for our stick and ball fans that are listening and our hockey audience. Walk me through the early part of his career, where he was drafted, struggling in a market, even though he played well at times, but in a market that has really gone through its ups and downs in Buffalo. The injury and then the controversy in Buffalo about how he should rehab the injury, surgery or not, and how he ends up in Vegas. Yeah, I guess the, the Cliff Notes version, JT, would be, you know, as a kid that he went to Boston University, was um, was had a phenomenal freshman year, one year at BU, and then was taken 
number two in the draft in 2015 in the same draft that Connor McDavid went number one. So, uh, the, you know, the, the expectations for him were sky high right off the bat. Had really uh, some really good years, including his last season in Buffalo, the, the, the season before the pause. Um, you know, top 10 in goals, top 10 in points in the NHL. Last year, last March, where we got hit from boards and, and suffered this disc injury to his neck and hasn't played since then. So, yeah, they, 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 him and the Sabres had very differing viewpoints as to how to go about rehabbing his surgery. He wanted to have artificial disc replacement, which had never been done on, a, on an athlete in the NHL, and the team wanted to do you know, more of the, the uh, I guess, traditional fusion surgery. He didn't want, he didn't want to do that. And, you know, I, I think when he was here back in November, JT, I was just real impressed with how much work he had done to research the surgery, to reach out to MMA fighters, to rugby players that had had the surgery. And he was pretty committed to the path he wanted to go down. They never could reach a common ground between team and player. And it eventually led to him being traded here to Vegas. You know, the Golden Knights gave up quite a bit to get him with Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs and a first-round pick. And, but to get a player of that caliber, that's what you have to give up. Dave Gosher joins us. So, Dave, what take our listeners behind the scenes on how you have to match his salary and Mark Stone uh, going on IR and how this plays out because the rumor is that Eichel would eventually be healthy to play and that Vegas would have to get rid of a player, a very good player, when we take a look at salary and the cap. How does this play out? Yeah, you know, I think, JT, probably they were looking at having to, you know, I've heard mixed reports, anywhere from 3 to $5 million, they were probably going to have to free up. That might not have to be the case now. And, you know, I, I get that I've even heard the rumor of kind of the conspiracy theories of, well, Mark Stone goes on IR so they can fit Jack. There's, there's, I'm, I don't know on what planet it would make any sense not to play Mark Stone if he was capable of playing. Mm-hmm. You know, they would have found a different way to do this, and I'm sure they had plans in place to do it if everyone was healthy. The fact of the matter is they haven't been healthy all year. You know, I don't know if they're ever going to be healthy this season. You know, Alec Martinez hasn't played in three months. Zach Whitecloud's out now. Mark Stone's out again. They're not sure when he's going to be able to play again. Long way of saying, I don't know if they have to do anything um, because of all the money they've been able to kind of save with guys being on the injured reserve list um, long term. So, you know, best case scenario is they can get Mark Stone back sooner than later, but I don't know if that's possible. You know, he hasn't looked right most of this season. He's been dealing with this back injury since last year's playoffs. So, I think they'd love to get him in a place where he's comfortable to be able to play uh, and play at a high level and be the Mark Stone that they're used to seeing in that lineup. Dave Gocher is our guest. You know, Dave, I've been telling this to our football audience, our hockey audience uh, now for years, is that I love this owner. I love the fact that Mr. Foley goes all in with a perennial playoff team, an inaugural year that went to the Stanley Cup final. And then they're always trying to get better. Now, as you watch the Super Bowl, and you know the Rams are having their parade today, they went all in. But they did it really dramatically. They gave up a Super Bowl contending quarterback in golf to get Stafford. They moved and made a trade for Odell Beckham. And then they even went crazier in getting Von Miller. And it reminds me of the Golden Knights. I look at the team and I'm like, this is a team that you could let build and take a couple of years, five, six years, kind of tweak it a bit. And I love this team because they're always doing bold moves. Now, I didn't love the flurry deal. A lot of people in town talked about that. Everybody can agree to disagree. But when it comes to how many lines that they can put out with snipers and stars and guys who can score potentially at an all-star level, 
I mean, this really heats up now with Jack Eichel and how the rest of the world, North America and the rest of the world, are going to look at VGK. Yeah, and I think, too, JT, if you look at it, you know, they had that magical first year, obviously. And, you know, there's probably a lot of teams, if, if they could start from scratch and not be saddled with bad contracts that drag on for years and years, there's a lot of teams that would love to do that. You know, in the Golden Knights, they were in a position early where they had this phenomenal success. Look, I think the plan that first year was we're probably not going to make the playoffs. We're, we have players on expiring contracts. We're going to make some trades, and we're going to acquire draft picks and try to build it that way. Well, that whole plan got got shot to hell, to be honest with you, because they had this magical first year, and if anything, now they were looking to add to that team and accelerated everything for them by five to ten years. You know, it's put everything on fast forward. So now they go out and trade for Pacioretty, and they trade for Stone, and they trade for Leonard, and they sign for Trangelo, and they trade for Martinez, and all the moves they've made um, because they didn't want to just be a flash in the pan and just this one-hit wonder, okay, it's great the first year, but then they're not contenders again. So that first year set them up, and it put everything on fast forward for at least, oh, I don't know, at least another five years, if not ten. So, And I'm with you. You know, Bill Foley's a guy that's pretty um, – He's pretty passionate, and he's used to winning in, in most areas of his life. And the hockey team is no different for him. He, I, I say, JT, it's almost like if they want a player, they just go get him. Now, I know it's not that easy. I, I get that. It's a lot more to it than that. But in many ways, that's what they've been able to do here over the last, uh, well, now five years and to set themselves up to be a contender. It's hard to win at every – it's hard to win, period. Um but at least they're, they're hopefully going to be in the mix again this year, which is, you know, there's a lot of other cities around the NHL that would love to be in their shoes. Dave Gosher's our guest, brought to you by PT's. Best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. They're a proud partner of VGK. If you're watching the game, if you're going to the game, you're very fortunate. If not, head out to any of Golden Entertainment's properties to watch this game. Yeah, Dave, as we wrap this up, it's important that these fans understand. I've heard fans come to me and say, you know, tickets, I couldn't get a ticket forever, and it was double on the secondary market. Now I can move my ticket. Maybe it's the same price. And I go, relax. I mean, there's 3,000 fans. You saw this with Raider games. When Bears fans and Eagles fans want to come and they'll pay anything for a ticket, there's going to be opposing fans that get in the building, and they're just here to have a good time. They're in Vegas, and that's the same thing. What do you expect to see happen now that Eichel's playing? Do you think more Golden Knight fans are saying, I got to go to every game, or they're going to be opposing fans going, I got to get into the building to see my team because I want to see Jack Eichel? Yeah, I think probably the former, JT. I think the overwhelming majority of Golden Knight fans are, are, are here, right? They're in Vegas. Mm-hmm. They're in Nevada. Um, you know, I would say, look, first year, New team, uh, yeah, did we see a lot of Blackhawks jerseys and Leafs jerseys and, and, you know, original Rangers jerseys, whatever it might be, sure. But I think once you kind of got halfway through that first year and from and there on forward, it's been majority, you know, predominantly Golden Knights fans. Look, I get it, if you, especially if you live in a cold-weather climate and you could take a few days and get out of there and come to Vegas, why wouldn't you? And take in a Golden Knights game and enjoy everything that Vegas has to offer. But I... I think one of the things that, as an organization, that the Golden Knights are pretty proud of is that, you know, the majority of fans there on a nightly basis and, you know, season ticket holders, they are, you know, they're, they're Vegas people. You know, they live in Summerlin. They live in Henderson. They, you know, they are all in on the nights. And look, I get it. I, it's not a cheap date. I always, you know, I, I always <laughs> say it. it's not. I understand that. It's not cheap. But, 
you know, that's, um, I, I think a lot of that comes with being successful and players make a lot of money and, you know, they've got to get paid somehow. But if, uh, you know, if people can swing it and it's, it's a heck of a night out on, uh, you know, on the strip and, you know, a team that they're, they've been fully invested in uh, with here for five years. Hey, Dave, the Golden Knights have 59 points. There are 12 teams with 60 or more, including the Avalanche tonight, with 72. So as we wrap this up and you talked about injuries, is the injuries the reason why Vegas is where they're at point-wise and how with getting Eichel here and hopefully the team coming back? And as you said, they might not be healthy all year. What are realistic expectations when it comes to points here at the end of the season and the teams in front of them? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's funny. Pete DeBoer joked the other day that uh, he said, you know, I know it says we're in first place in the standings, but I'm not sure we are because of all these teams that have games at hand, right? And sure enough, Calgary's gone by them uh, by winning the last seven. So, yeah, I mean, I think the the fact they're where they're at, I kind of step back and think about it, JT. The fact they're a point out of first place to me is a pretty amazing story when you think about all the key people that have been out for long periods of time. So, you know, it is a big if with this team this year, if they can get everyone in the lineup. I, to me, they're a team that, that challenges to win the Pacific and, and have one of the top seeds um, in the West. You know, I just think they're that good. Uh, the problem is they have not had their team available all season long. You know, we've, we've been chatting here for a little bit. Robin Leonard, you know, he's not going to play tonight. He's 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 in shell here with an injury. They're not sure for how long yet, but hopefully not too serious. But if they can get everybody back, and the fact they've been able to rely on their depth all year long, that's a big reason they're where they're at right now, is other guys have been able to fill that void. Um, you would love to be able to see what this team could do if they had everybody available to them, and, and hopefully at some point uh, down the road they're able, to, they're able to see that team, and we're able to see that team. Hey, Dave, it's a big night in the history of the city. It really is, and I'm really happy that Sage got us you tonight to really talk about the history of Eichel, what it means to the team going forward as a proud partner and everything you do for us. Thanks for making time on a special night. Really appreciate it. You bet. Always great to be with you, JT. Take care. You got it. Dave Gosher, a great play-by-play voice, the TV voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. And you'll be hearing more of that content here on the show because this is where I live. If you're a Raider fan living anywhere around the country, from time to time we'll talk about James Harden, who I'm going to get to a little bit later on. We'll talk about the Rams parade. We're talking about the Raiders, and we'll talk about the Raiders when you call in when I give you a point of emphasis like today on how aggressive you want to see the Raiders go compared to the Rams. That's the topic today for the Raider fans and want to know from you. The Rams, on a scale of 1 to 10, went 10, maybe 11. Insanity what they did to try to get it. And their GM, and we'll play that sound a little bit later on, their GM wore a T-shirt today, the general manager of an NFL team, Les Snead, wore a, tel- uh, wore a T-shirt on TV today that said F, you know what F stands for, F the picks. Remember, they gave up their picks to go get Stafford and Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. So imagine that, Mike Mayock, or, you know, I haven't met yet when we lock- talk about our new GM here. Imagine you sitting at a victory parade with a T-shirt on that says F the picks. I mean, they are, they are cocky right now, aren't they, in L.A.? I mean, they think they pulled something off, and they did. What they did was very risky, and historically in sports, when you try to go all in to win a championship, and you do, you break up the team. You get the championship, you try to reset the organization, get some of your draft picks back. 
Doesn't sound like they're going to do that with the Rams anymore. They're just going to use those picks to go out and get better players. 702-365-9200. Raider Mac in Los Angeles. What's happening, Mac? Hey, JT. What's going on, man? I love, I love your show, man. Thank you. And, uh, I've been Appreciate following it. you uh, for a long time. Hey, JT, we got to go all in. There's no way you got you cannot wait. Look at the Celtics. They did all these draft picks and all this stuff waiting and – they never won a championship. You got to go all in like the Rams. Hey, you got if you could trade uh, Derek Carr for for uh, Russell Wilson or any of them quarterbacks, I would do it right away. I don't think Carr is a Super Bowl contender with with with, with him, but with Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or well, hold on or, a second, Mac. Mac, hold on a second. I don't think it's fair to say that Carr isn't a Super Bowl contender. He got the team to the playoffs this year. So did Joe Burrow. They contend for the Super Bowl. They got in the playoffs. I don't think that's fair analysis of Derek Carr. Now, if you'd say, if you called me and said, I don't think Derek's elite, he's not at the level of Mahomes or this or that, that's a conversation we could have. But to, to not think that Derek Carr can't get into the tournament and then get hot and win two games and get to the Super Bowl, I don't agree with that. How, how realistic is that, though? Um, yeah, that, that's, that's fair. Not realistic because because here here's the thing, the t- the team with the best players will usually win the Super Bowl or the the top player, but and the top player is usually a quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Derek Carr is not at that level. I agree with you that there it, you could get hot, but my thing is he is he we we need to go all in and just try to win the Super Bowl. I mean we cannot we can't just sit back and just wait. Teams that do that, they they usually fail. They usually fail because you can't name one team that has sat back with all these draft picks and won. Well, look, no, I I really respect your call and your opinion. This is what I opened up the show with. I want to hear more calls like this about, you know, you you answered what I asked. How aggressive, how balls out do you got to do to go win? And if if you called in and said, hey, we're going to keep Derek, we're going to sign him to an extension, it's going to be for X amount, then we're going to get Devontae Adams – and then we're going to go get a, a star corner and, and do that and then put the pieces together to win a Super Bowl. But to say you're not going to do it with Derek, then you got to get specific because you got to give up a lot. you got to give up Derek and multiple picks to go get Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, whoever it's going to be. And then you're going to do what the Rams did. You're going to, ha- you're going to be all in, and you're not going to have a lot of picks and first-round picks for years to come, and that's pretty aggressive. That's a 10 or a 9 on the aggressive scale, right? Right, but but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing: is we our first round picks have been horrible. So mm-hmm. why not? Why not? I mean, we have not picked a good first round pick. In the oh, last wait a second, years. my friend. Wait a second. We oh, got okay, a new GM. We got it. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got a new GM. No, 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 no. We have a new GM. You cannot tie this GM to Reggie McKenzie or Mike Mayock or other GMs. you got to give our new GM a fresh start here okay. to go out and do that. You can't, you can't say, hey, you know, Leatherwood didn't work out and, you no, know, I Jonathan Abram didn't work out. This, this new regime is not associated with any of those guys. Okay. But it's, it's, it's not about the regime. It's about the first-round pick. Most of those first-round picks, they either bust or either they make it. Why not get an established player at corner? Why not get an established mm. player at, 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 at on the O line instead of instead of trying to do that? Do what the Rams do. We we yeah. we need to win 
now. Yes, thanks for the phone call. It's a great phone call. I appreciate everything you said. That's what I asked for. Sometimes I sit around for an hour and I ask, why is anybody really diving into it like he just did? That's what the show is, and it's going to be most of the offseason. There's no news with the Raiders other than writing bios about the new coaches who are coming. And Vinny did an amazing job. I give him all the credit for the show today. Vinny Bonchenor provided me with content. There is no content. There's car rumors, car rumors, and a new coach and GM, and the staff they're filling out. That doesn't interest me. What interests me is big topics with the Raiders, how they win a Super Bowl. Big, big topics on what they need to do to win a Super Bowl. How do you do that? Do you do what the Rams did, or do you do it? Oh, I hate to do it. I haven't done this yet. Ooh, stop me, Bobby. No, I'm going to do it. Do you do it the Patriot way? This is the Patriot way is do your job. We're drafting you. If you don't play well, we're cutting you or we're trading you and we're getting you out of here. And then they do a great job of coaching the player to a higher level. Okay, Max Crosby was drafted. Fourth round, he was coached to a higher level. Thanks to Rod Marinelli and the coaches there, all of them. So now he's a pro bowler. Jonathan Abram was drafted high. I don't think he was coached to the next level. Right? Derek Carr was drafted in the second round. I think he's been better than most second-round picks. He wasn't a first pick overall. Josh Jacobs, a player I talk about often, high first-round draft pick. I don't know what this, uh, what this group, Ziegler and McDaniels, wants out of him. I don't know. Maybe they're sitting down going, look, we'll give you one more year because we just don't see you being statistically the type of player who's worth future consideration and more money down the road. Darren Waller. I think they're going to look at Darren Waller and go, holy cow, what a player. Let's coach him differently. Not that John Gruden and Greg Olson and Johnny Morton, all friends of mine, you know, those guys, got look what they got out of Waller. They made Waller into a star in this league. Now Josh McDaniels has to take him to a high level. Josh McDaniels is the godfather of the NFL slot receiver. Well, who's able to do it with Amendola, Welker, Edelman? Imagine what he's going to do with Renfro. So with all of this happening, all of this happening around us, we have to sit here and go, what else do they do? What do you do with the draft pick? If you can go back in the hot tub time machine, okay, everybody get back into the hot tub time machine with me. What would you do with the Cleveland Farrell pick? What would you have done with the Jonathan Abram pick? What would you have done with the Alex Leatherwood pick? See where I'm going? Would have been nice to trade up to get Micah Parsons. They didn't believe they could do that. It was too costly to do it. We go back in time to another regime, which I thought they made a decent decision. I'm friends with Khalil Mack. They could not win with Khalil Mack. They could not. Khalil wanted $90 million guaranteed with a $60 million contract and a $30 million signing bonus. They couldn't do that. John Gruden pulled me aside privately. He goes, I don't have an offensive line. I, if I don't get Colt Miller, I'm gonna, my quarterback's going to get killed. So they had to make moves to do that. Khalil went to Chicago. Chicago's done nothing. Nothing. Right? But Khalil, I'd love to see him back. He's one of my favorite players. These are really difficult decisions. And you got to trust Dave Ziegler to be the guy to do it, just the way I trusted Mike Mayock and Reggie McKenzie before that. That's it. All you can do is say, this is a decision. Let's get behind it. You don't have to like it you got to get behind it. If you're a Raider fan, it's not drinking Kool-Aid. It's not being a shill. It's what we do. 
if you're Raider Nation, you want to tear the team down when they're making coaching changes or go, yeah, you know, I think that Rob Ryan coming back here in the room with Patrick Graham can be the type of team that can make the defense go from dead last, dead last in red zone defense and take us inside the top ten. If they can't do it, who's going to do it? Dead last in red zone defense? I like Gus. I said get on the bus with Gus. I thought Gus had a good year. These guys are looking to do much better when it comes to the stats and what's holding this team back from winning a playoff game. Reggie, good to hear from you in North Las Vegas. Hello, Reg. JT the Brick. Man, I got to go back to the Bay Area, man, and a lot of my friends – they love the fact that you're on the air representing the Raiders, man. They don't get to listen much out there. I did tell them about the website and all of that, but they're you know they listen to the radio. Hey Reggie, sometimes. Reggie, hold on, Reggie. You don't have to have the website. You just need the mobile no, no, no. app, the, yeah, the yeah, app yeah. on the phone, man. Get them on yeah, the phone. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's what I'm saying. I, they, that was their little response, but I told them about the app, and I'm telling them this is the station you need to hear. So basically, I'm just loving that you're on the air sharing your information as well as sharing this airwave with us. I think that this first portion with our new GM and new coach, this is the time that they have to do their analysis. I don't think we go all the way in yet because they have to analyze what they have. And I think I would say we got to be around a six or a seven. I think you do go get some parts that's going to improve your O-line and improve that defensive back, the DBs and all of that. But getting rid of Derek right now, to me, ain't the move because you're going to give up where we are. Go get another quarterback that you think is uh, more valuable but not improve the line, not improve the, the defense. So I'm not I'm not willing to do that part, but I do think their analysis of our interior line as well as the defensive line is very important. They got to get some veterans in here and try to just step up. And if we can't get it done with this the the group that they bring in this year, next year I say we go all in because the Super Bowl is here in Las Vegas, and I'm trying to do what Tampa Bay and L.A. did. Bring that Super Bowl championship here to Las Vegas, and let's go Raiders! Yeah, you know, that'd be great. That'd be great to be in contention for the Super Bowl when the Super Bowl comes to Vegas. You know, just being in L.A. all week, and to be on Radio Row at the convention center and to do what I had the chance of doing there. We had the best lineup, thank God, for everybody. We had a killer lineup here on Raider Nation Radio. Imagine that here in Vegas. Imagine that here in Las Vegas. And it's happening. We're on the clock. We're on the clock for the draft. We're on the clock to really put on a show for the draft. Do you know anybody on the radio who's more pro-Vegas than I am other than the great Steph McKenzie? I want Vegas to be great. UNLV, the Aviators, our great friends at the Golden Knights, but most importantly, the Silver and Black, as we're brought to you by Grimaldi's, the best pizza I've ever had. We'll go to L.A., my buddy Scott Kaplan next. They rush for it. Burrow to throw for it. He's sit. He's hit. He's sacked. 
He throws it away. He flings it away on fourth down. Aaron Donald got there. Donald takes his helmet off in celebration. He flips Burrow to the turf and forces the incompletion on fourth and one. He signals to his ring finger on his left hand. That was a big play by Aaron Donald. Some people saying, and the play-by-play voice said greatest player of all time. Give me a break. Lawrence Taylor, (laughs) Reggie White, a lot of great players of all time. But to Donald's credit, he is now with that Super Bowl ring, and he's played in two Super Bowls. That's two NFC championship rings he has. He's building the legacy as one of the great defenders out there. JT, back with you as we continue on here. A lot of excitement, a lot of excitement in the building as we build up for the draft. couple of NFL stories before Scott Kaplan joins us. Airport police confirmed in Los Angeles that Adrian Peterson, the legendary running back, was arrested Sunday morning. Okay, so this was before the Super Bowl on felony domestic violence charges for an incident on a plane departing LAX. Peterson's reps later confirmed that Peterson and his wife Ashley were involved in a verbal argument on a flight and that he was removed from the plane. His wife Ashley defended Peterson on Instagram yesterday, quote, on Sunday, Adrian and I had a verbal argument. Unfortunately, it was on an airplane, and at no point did Adrian hit or strike me. This is a private matter between my husband and myself. We ask that everyone respect our policy so we can focus on what matters most, our children. Well, let me first go off and say it is not a private matter when you're on an airplane. The whole world is on edge now on airplanes. Every night I turn on the national news and there's someone screaming, yelling, last night trying to get to the cockpit, fighting. So this it's not a private matter when you're on an airplane and a couple is screaming and fighting allegedly and something happens. So we'll see how this plays out. Again, and no charges now being filed, but this is an unfortunate situation. And Peterson was released on 50,000 bond and scheduled for a hearing at LAX Superior Court on June 16th. Remember, Peterson faced a felony child abuse case in 2014 amid allegations that he beat his four-year-old son with a tree branch, referred to as a switch, as a form of discipline, leaving injuries on the child's back, buttocks, and ankles and legs, according to a police report. I mean, this guy's had a rough road. He's one, he's one of the great players ever to play the position, but there's no uh, doubt he's in a bad situation in a bad place right now. And you could talk about isolated incidents or not. And the Vikings announce uh, Kevin O'Connell as their new head coach, and I think this is a big deal. You win the Super Bowl, and you get a job as a head coach. He's another young guy under the Sean McVay tree here. So he gets an exciting opportunity here. It's a good team. I've said this. The Vikings have a very good roster over the last couple of years. They've had what I see with the Chargers, you know, a a roster that could go far if they get in there. Only the 10th head coach in the history of the franchise, and he was introduced, uh, excuse me, he'll be introduced tomorrow. But the Vikings have just put that out there. First-time head coach, 36 years old, 36 and replace Mike Zimmer, who was fired after eight seasons. Now, a 36-year-old being brought in? We'll see. The Vikings had interviewed four finalists for the job, along with Jim Harbaugh out of Michigan. Can you explain to me how Jim Harbaugh doesn't get the job at the Vikings, but a 36-year-old who's never been a head coach gets it? Yeah, I'll explain it. It's easy. Works for Sean McVay. He won a Super Bowl. 
And that's what happens. You want to get someone young, someone on a team that has a broad vision of how to run an offense, and you go down that road. And for the Raiders, Josh McDaniels is still a very young coach in the big picture of all this who's had tremendous success. And they're hoping that his staff in the future, matter of fact, I know that there's some Raider coaches on the staff that could potentially be head coaching candidates in years to come. All right, Scott Kaplan joins us from ESPN 710 in Los Angeles. And Cap, thanks for coming on. I saw your name up in lights when I was in L.A. on the big billboard on the side of the building across from the crypto.com. How are you, my brother? I'm good, man. How did that happen, JT? How did that all just happen? Like, just listening to the introduction, I was like, man, it really happened. Like, it's settling in now. The Rams actually pulled this off, and the NFL got everything it wanted and more when it decided to move the Rams to L.A. Isn't it crazy? It's incredible. You and I have talked about this at length as hosts and friends for a long time. I think the biggest story of all is that the Battle of L.A., the Rams just stomped out the Chargers. The Chargers, a lot of people thought, would get there maybe not as quick as the Rams, what would be in the conversation. Like, why couldn't the Chargers have been the Bengals? I think they have just as good of a team, maybe even a better roster. If the Chargers get in and play in a Super Bowl there, they gobble up a lot of new fans. They take away a lot of those fans that might have leaned to the Rams, and now those fans are going right to the Rams as the Rams bandwagon builds off that win. Do you see it that way? 100%. As a matter of fact, you know, the Rams were not just trying to win the Super Bowl. You know, they're trying to establish literally, I know this sounds a little crazy, but they're trying to establish the next 20 years. You know, JT, um, when you make it to the Super Bowl in your hometown, in the stadium that your owner spent $5 billion to build, and you get to host this thing, and then you go out and win it all the while, the JV team that was not wanted by the community that is in there every other weekend, which has a hot shot quarterback, has cool uniforms, but has a terrible, you know, historical reputation of ownership, which leads to having star players, but not going anywhere. But what the Rams did is they not only stole the fan base or at least solidified the fan base. They also took, I believe going forward, all the corporate sponsorship. Everybody's going to want to be in the business of the Rams. And anybody who's in the business of the Chargers is kind of in the business of the Clippers. Really interesting point. You're exactly right on that. Scott Kaplan is our guest. And for the Rams, what would have happened if they didn't win? A 15-yard, a 15-play drive is very risky. Tip ball at the line of scrimmage, strip sack, fumble, what happens the next day or two days after that, as we're speaking, if they don't end up winning that game and Stafford can't take them on that long drive and they lose? Well, um, that is, you know, something that I've, I've thought a lot about, especially during the game. I think the, um, the part about winning the city remains, but the next level JT is what's going to happen on Wednesday which is a parade. And, and I don't know what that's going to be like. You know, when the Raiders had parades and Shaq and Kobe were in front of Staples Center, you know, that was a whole different era. Now, in the world that we're currently living in, and with a team that's only been back in L.A. for six years, um, is it going to be like wall-to-wall crazy 
like you might see if the Yankees won in, in New York pre-pandemic. So I don't know what really to expect, but the point is is that by, by winning the game, they're taking it now to the next level, whereas if they lost the game, oh, you know what, they made it, it was nice, it was home, but they didn't win. They can't get to the Laker-Dodger level. By winning this game, they're, they're on their way to that level. Scott Kaplan joins us. Scott, it was so important. So I'm out there since Tuesday, and I left on Super Bowl Sunday. I got to talk to you about L.A. because me and you, you know, our roots are in San Diego together. I'm not negative on it. I stayed in the heart of downtown, which is really interesting. I mean, L.A. in the heart of downtown is a disaster, but three blocks later, it's gorgeous, and there's new skyscrapers going up, but Skid Row's right there. And there are a lot of people in harm's way there. There are a lot of people that need help. They're not leaving that area. They're sleeping on the streets. They need services. So I saw that up close. Then I cruised in on a hookup of the greatest hookup from a friend, stayed in Beverly Hills for three nights, saw that side of town, had to get Ubers into Hollywood for parties. I just felt like the size of L.A. I felt every morsel of it. I saw it all from freeway traffic to the beach and all of it. So really really well spread out city and it was tough to get around especially coming out of those nightclubs at 145 2 in the morning there were no cabs everybody's fighting for ubers ubers are all getting jacked up i mean it was just a wild place to be on super bowl thursday friday saturday night before the game i know yeah and you know jt i mean all the super bowls that you and i have been to through all these years where things are condensed in san diego or New Orleans, or you know, even Miami to a, to a certain degree. Um, you know, the, the whole scene was in one spot. L.A. is just so massive, and there are so many people. And not only are there just so many people in terms of population, there's so many celebrity types and wannabe players who, who are putting on events and shows, and everybody wants to be at everything. And in L.A., man, it's hard enough, as you know, because you live there, it's hard enough to, to, to get around on a normal day, let alone when a major international sporting event is taking place. And, and by the way, remember, one of the teams is a home team. So imagine how bad it might have been if it was regular L.A. traffic. And then, the, you know, there were two other, I don't want to say fan bases, because let's face it, JT, it's not exactly like the stadium and the city is filled up with, you know, the opposing fans. But just L.A. is a hard place to get around, and there's a lot to do. And, um, yeah, I feel for you, man. It's, it's, but I think in the end, JT, the NFL really did get what it got, what it wanted. You know, they, mm-hmm. they built this crazy stadium. They built the network facilities there. They had the, the city host it. And who could have ever written that the Rams would be in it and then win it? Yeah, we have the Super Bowl coming to Vegas, and next year it'll be in Glendale. Did you get people on your show talking about what's the story with the traffic getting out of SoFi? Because I think I haven't been there yet. It looked great on TV. But they got a really big issue there with getting people out of there. And we talked about it when the, the charges were in Carson. If they can get $100 a parking spot out of you there, they're going to ask for 150 If they can get 300 out of you, they're going to ask for 400 It's just a very difficult place to get out of. Everybody's telling me. Why is that? I don't know. And I got to tell you, man, I only went to one game there this year. I mean, literally only one. And my experience was it was relatively easy to get out okay. of there. Um, I don't know why I had a, a better experience 
um, maybe because I didn't pay for the parking and I, I got, you know, it was a parking pass. Um, but I didn't have like some VIP parking pass. I wasn't parking, you know, in an inner circle. I mean, I was way the hell out in left field, but I felt like I had a pretty solid experience getting out of there. I, I don't know what all the complaining is, but I don't know. Maybe I was at a Chargers Browns game and maybe I didn't. Maybe people had already left. I don't know. No, actually, that happened to have been a great game. And the only reason I just want to make it clear, JT, I would never go to a Charger game. Never. It's just that the Browns were in town, my college roommates, their offensive coordinator. It was familiar. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. The great Scott Kaplan joins us. So typically, we all have that gene as sports talk radio hosts and producers. Whoever works can goes, oh, my God, football's over. What do we do next? And you have the luxury in L.A. where you could always pivot to the Lakers. Football ends. You got a parade this time. That gets you through Wednesday. You push forward to the end of the week, and then you have the NBA All-Star game. You come back next week, and your program director and your co-host, George Sedano, it's easy. You just focus in on the Lakers. This time around, it's going to be a little bit different. Lakers got to get their act together very quickly here before the trade deadline. God, they're terrible. They're just so terrible. They are. And and you know what it is? Is America loves this. In other words, people who love the NBA just love the fact that the Lakers and they won a championship two years ago and they've retooled their roster every year since. And it's just LeBron and AD. and, And everybody knew that Russell Westbrook you know, is a, a selfishy kind of player. And I hate to put it so much on him. It's so not all his fault. You know, LeBron James, in my opinion, and George and I debate this all the time, LeBron James is the boss. You know, he tells Rob Polenka what to do. And, you know, they went out and said, this is the guy we want, Russell Westbrook. We can make this work. And they couldn't make it work. And now it's becoming kind of a public soap opera because Russell Westbrook doesn't like being benched, thinks he's earned the right to be on the floor at the end of the game earned the right, not this year, earned the right in his career previous to being here. Um, LeBron James is talking about how exhausted he is. He just wants to drink wine and go to sleep like an old man. I'm just so tired. I'm so exhausted. So there's still time, JT. I mean, there really is still time if they are all healthy. There are 25 or 30 games to go to see if they can get it together. But based on the first 50 games, even if they've only played together, the three of them, like 20 times, they freaking stink. Cap, one more on the Rams before you go. They did it. They put together a super team. Beckham Jr. and Von Miller comes in halfway through the season, and it worked. We've both been doing this a long time. Back in the era of sports radio before we came in and all the eras before us, there wasn't a lot of movement in free agency. You had your team set up before the start of the year, and that was it. There wasn't a lot of trades. There wasn't a lot of movement. Is this the way of the future now? Because – if this, is, if this is, it's going to be great for the league to have teams trading draft picks to go trade for superstars in the middle of the season. I don't think it's going to work most of the time, but it worked for the Rams. Yeah, the whole thing worked for the Rams, JT. You know, from from this, you know, storyline of McVay being in Cabo and then, you know, Stafford having been there and the, the Niners thinking they're getting Stafford and the Rams come away with him and, You know, there were question marks about Stafford coming in. You know, what could he really be on a good team? Um, Those questions, I think, have been answered. Mm. Um, Then, you know, the addition of of Vaughn Miller, I really think, JT, it's an underrated story that he had tremendous influence on Aaron Donald becoming a more vocal leader, number one. Um, And he's really the guy that helped bring Odell Beckham, who, by the way, when he got to the Rams, many of us considered Mm -hmm. him to be a selfish diva kind of player. 
but turns out he was a complete pro and someone who really, really cares about winning and was really well-respected by his teammates. So all these moves, including the last one, which was Eric Weddle coming out of retirement after two years and not just being on the team, calling the defensive signals and being on the field for every play, every single one of these moves just somehow worked in the very end. The freaking Rams won the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Insane. It was incredible. You had a front row seat for the whole year. Thanks for doing this, Cap. We'll talk to you real soon. Miss you. Yeah, miss you too, man. Appreciate you, JT. Thanks for having me. Anytime, Cap. Scott Kaplan, ESPN, in L.A., does a lot of work, sideline work for Westwood. One good friend of the show. They did it. The Rams won at home. The Patriots won at home the year before. Glendale, the Arizona Cardinals, that won 10 games quicker than anybody last year. They host the Super Bowl, and then the Raiders host the Super Bowl. How perfect of a world would it be, and can't get greedy out west here, to have this West Coast rotation, a Super Bowl. San Diego might have been the best spot. They lose it. So you're going to have L.A., Arizona, which is Glendale, and then you're going to have Vegas in this rotation along with the Florida locations, most likely Miami. I don't think Tampa's going to get many more Super Bowls going forward just because of the age of that stadium. I love New Orleans. There's only a few Super Bowl spots. Vegas needs to get two every 10 years. That would be perfection to me. Celtics will take the shot clock violation with 10 seconds to go. Shake Milton will dribble out the clock. It will hit triple zeros. The final score, Boston 135, Philadelphia 87. Yeah, that's the final call there on the Sixers, excuse me, Boston Radio Network. I, I plan on doing a lot of NBA today, but we had some guests join us late, head on a swivel type of show today. The NBA is a mess, an absolute mess. The Harden deal, so Harden gets traded to Philadelphia. Ben Simmons goes to Brooklyn. Harden's not able to play. He's not going to play in the All-Star game. So you saw a game last night against the Celtics where they got obliterated, which means people in Philadelphia got ripped off. They didn't see a game. They just saw an embarrassment. Gamblers, unless you were a gambler on the right side of that deal, that was a train wreck game to try to handicap there. And we're going into the NBA, which is after football season – I pivot on my national show, and I do more NBA here. And the NBA, I cannot recall a time in NBA history where players played less. I can't, and I'm a big guy that pounds away at load management. I'm not talking load management. The new scam in the NBA is that players just don't play and come back from injuries. when They don't have to come back from injuries. If you got a calf injury, you got something that's not 100%, you don't have to come back. You just take your time, and if it's two weeks before the All-Star game, they go, well, don't come back. Play after the All-Star break. The problem is some of these guys like Paul George and Giannis Antetokounmpo or whoever it is, they make four hundred grand a game. A game. So if you say, hey, instead of coming back on Tuesday, come back the following Saturday, and you miss three more games, you're getting a million two not to play, and that means fans in all these arenas don't get a chance to see you. So every night when I prep my show on SiriusXM, an hour before the show, I go and look you know, at NBA.com. I look on Twitter. I look at ESPN.com, and I click on these NBA games to see who's playing. 
I got the TVs on in my office, NBA TV or whatever TNT is, and I cannot believe no one plays. So every night there's like a star missing in every game or two, one on each team, and the fans don't seem to give a crap anymore. No one cares, and it used to be they cared. We don't have to go back to the olden days. I'm not asking you to go back to the 50s with Bob Cousy or the 60s with Elgin Baylor. I'm just saying go back to the 80s with Magic and Bird. Go back to the 90s with Michael Jordan. Go back to the great Kobe Bryant. Can you imagine the late, great Kobe Bryant not being at 100%, being at 80% and saying, I'm not going to play till I'm 100%? Now you got James Harden lying, Ben Simmons lying, Ben Simmons supposedly having a mental health issue because he played in Philly and the fans ran him out of town. James Harden ends up going to Philly and he says, that's the place I always wanted to be. He's lying. He said a year ago he wanted to be in Brooklyn with Kyrie. And now you have Adam Silver coming to the defense of Kyrie because of the mandates for masks being pulled down in most parts here. And Kyrie, hey, I give him credit. Look, if there is not a reason for unvaccinated players to play, if you, you can say, hey, Kyrie, you rolled the dice and now we're changing our situation with the NBA in New York and Brooklyn, and you can play now, then, then he wins. He didn't get vaccinated. He stood by it, and now he's going to be able to play. But the point was, by not getting vaccinated, he jeopardized his team the whole year, and there's a chance he still might not be able to play in the playoffs. And then we have baseball that's in the middle of a lockout, and four players admitted that they were getting oxycodone and other drugs by basically a clubhouse drug dealer in Anaheim. And one of the Anaheim players, Tyler Skeggs, died of an overdose. And Matt Harvey is admitting now that he did cocaine as a member of the Mets and was getting drugs out in Anaheim. That's the baseball headline today as baseball is locked out. Thank God for the Raiders in the NFL that we have things to talk about every day. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Q on deck. Vinny wrote a great column today that I talked about most of the show. We're thrilled that we have a real flagship station now for the Raiders to talk everything silver and black. Jack Eichel plays tonight for the Golden Knights. Don't miss it.